Welcome to the Community Fellowship Podcast, your way to stay connected with biblically-themed messages, discussions, and interviews from Community Fellowship in East Bernard, Texas. Learn more about our church at the cfeb.church website, check us out on social media at CF East Bernard, or attend an in-person service at 635 Main Street in East Bernard. We are a local church that works to make the love of Christ for all humanity known to our community and the world. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this week's content. Um, Okay, so if you've been with us in the last few weeks, uh, since the beginning of the year, we have been working our way through the Lord's prayer. Uh, and it may seem a little lengthy, and I'm, I'm sorry for that, but I really wanted us to take time to kind of just soak in, you know, the, the, just the marrow uh, of the truth of Jesus's model prayer to the disciples. It's so rich. It's so powerful. Uh, as we've been walking through each line, I hope that you just kind of walked away thinking through the truth of what he's presented in this prayer through the rest of the week. And so we're going to continue in that today. But the first few weeks, uh, we have looked at some petitions that Jesus makes in the prayer, but the petitions are mainly about the greatness and priority of God in our lives. But today, it's going to be a little bit different. We're going to see, he's going to make it a little more personal of a request, a little bit more personal to uh, us as individuals and what we're asking God for. So we're going to be in a couple of different texts today, but if you wouldn't mind, we're going to go ahead and go back to that Matthew passage that we've been in, Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to read it again, or if you've got it memorized now, you're more than welcome to just say it in the memorization, all right? Here we go. Ready? This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Okay, so like we were saying, we, we've covered some pretty hefty topics as we've walked through these last three weeks. Uh, the first one that we looked at is we talked about um, our adoption as children of God. That's a pretty heavy theological topic when you really think about it. It's this idea that God makes us his sons and daughters. That's a very deep concept. And then uh, the next week we looked at how God is altogether different. He's separate. He is holy. He is unlike us in his holiness. And so that, that as well is a very deep and heavy topic that we could probably spend all the rest of our lives talking about how God is different and unique and other than us. And then last week, we looked at this, this idea of the kingdom of God. We talked a little bit about how Jesus's kingdom is unlike any other kingdom on the face of this earth, unlike any other government on the face of this earth and what it looks like for us to be representatives of that kingdom when we ask for his kingdom to come and his will to be done here. But today, like I said, it's a little bit different because we're going to see Jesus kind of do a little shift from the lofty to the more earthly and mundane. Not mundane, but more um, personal and here, okay? So we're going to see that shift. Now, uh, as a parent, uh, I am sure that you have probably seen this before as well. Um, all, all the parents in the room understand this, that there, there's, there's something about our kids that have a difficult time in trusting us. 
right? Um, with my kids, with my daughters, there's so many times where I give them some advice that I really hope they're listening to, and, and it's going to be good for a situation that they're going through. Um, but so many times we have to learn on our own, right? We kind of have to learn it for ourselves. And instead of just listening and trusting those that love, uh, love us, that are around us, we have to learn the hard way. At least I know I did. So several years ago when I was in junior high, I was really excited to make the basketball team for my junior high. And my dad was an incredible dad that always wanted me to have the best athletic gear for any of the sports that I played. I was actually sharing that this week with a couple of guys that I met with. Uh, I think it was on Friday afternoon. I was telling them how my dad always had to have the best equipment for me. So this is no different. I made the, the basketball team. My dad said, hey, let's go get you some basketball shoes. So we went to the store. We're there for a couple of seconds, kind of looking. My dad, of course, being the smart man that he is, he goes over, he looks, he finds some Nike basketball shoes that are moderately priced, that are, you know, good ones. They're not the Jordans, all right? But he goes over and finds some that are going to be really, really good. Well, I go over and I see the Fila's, okay? Now, these weren't any Fila's. These were Grant Hills, okay? Now, if you're not a basketball person, let me explain who Grant Hill is, right? Grant Hill played for Duke University, and he was a four-time starter, four-year four starter for Duke University. He won two NCAA double, uh, AA championships with the Duke Blue Devils. And then he went on to the NBA to become Rookie of the Year and then a seven-time All-Star, okay? So I thought by getting these shoes, I was going to be Grant Hill. You know what I mean? And so I try on these shoes, I put them on, and I got to be honest, they were not comfortable. <laughs> not at all, okay? But I'm sure you understand where this story's going, right? So my dad says, how do they feel? They feel great, dad. Lies. He's like, well, he kind of does this little test where he kind of feels in to make sure there's room in the shoe for growth and all that kind of stuff. He's like, okay, why don't you walk around the store and tell me how they feel? So I walk around, you know, I'm doing the whole thing. You know how it is, squish, squeak, squeak with the new shoes, squeak, squeak, squeak kind of thing. And you're just testing them out. And he's like, okay, are you sure they're good? Are they going to work well for you? Do you feel like they're going to they're gonna be good? Yes, dad lies, right? Now, <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, that season I had more blisters on my feet than in any other season that I ever had. Why is it that we have such a difficult time trusting the ones that love us? Why is it that we have to learn for ourselves? We have to take that time. So this next statement that Jesus makes is a really important one. And I want us to kind of look at a story, though, that Jesus is probably most likely alluding to whenever we go into this next statement of his prayer. So we're going to step back into the Old Testament real quick. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 16. And I think what we're going to see is we're going to see how this story leads into and why the disciples would have automatically thought about this particular passage when Jesus says the next statement that he makes, give us our daily bread. But you're also going to see how it really kind of connects with my own story a little too well, okay? So, Exodus chapter 16, starting in verse 1. 16, 1. Here we go. The whole Israelite community set out from Elim and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt, and the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. 
but you've brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. And this way I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. Okay, so here's what's going on here, all right? So uh, roughly a month and a half after God has supernaturally and powerfully led the Israelites out of Egypt and slavery, they get into the wilderness and they start complaining about not having food. They start grumbling against Moses and Aaron, their leaders, about not having the food they want. And they go as far as to say, it was better for us whenever we were slaves in Egypt because at least we had meat to eat there. They would have rather been slaves than free. That's what they're saying. I don't know about you, but I, I, I feel for God in this moment. I get a little bit frustrated for him, right? Um, I, he's so stinking patient. So stinking patient. Like, I know for me, I get frustrated when one of my daughters comes down the stairs and she goes over to the pantry and she's kind of scrumbling around in there for a little bit and then she says, there's nothing to eat in this house. And I go, nothing to eat? Nothing to eat? And I go over there and here's a granola bar. Here's some fruit. Here's some crackers. Here's some chips. Nothing to eat? I paid for that with my own money, right? Don't tell me there's nothing to eat in there. But God doesn't do that. He's so patient with the Israelites. He's so gracious. God tells Moses that he's going to provide bread for the people, for them to gather each day. And there's one condition, though. There's one condition. They're only supposed to gather enough for each day, just for that day. And he even gives specific measurements later on for how much that meant for each member of the family, okay? And then he tells them, and also gather a little bit extra on Friday because Saturday is a Sabbath day and I don't want you to do any work. Why? Why does God say he's going to do this? Why is he going to provide for them this bread? Because he's testing them. He's testing if they're going to trust and depend on him. See, if, if they obeyed, then it showed that they trusted that God was going to take care of their most basic needs. That the food that they needed, God was going to provide, and they trusted that he was going to do that. But if they didn't, they still lacked in God's character, they didn't trust in who God was, and they didn't trust in his power. So, surprise, surprise, a few of the members of Israel go out and collect more than they're supposed to, and also go out on Saturday to collect. Now, ironically to them, they didn't realize this was going to happen, but when they did that, distrusting God, doing something beyond what he asked for them to do, the next day that became maggoty and gross, so they couldn't actually eat that. They didn't trust God to take care of their needs. Now listen, I want you to hear this. He was providing what they needed, not what they wanted. Not what they wanted. If it had been what they wanted, I'm sure that he would have rained down cows, right? And they would have grilled up some burgers. 
But that's not what he does. He provides what they need. He takes care of what they need, not what they want. In fact, what's so funny about this whole story is that when they go out and they see this flaky stuff, this on the dew of the ground, like dew on the ground, their first response is, what in the world is this? That's actually what manna means. Manna means, what is it? They don't know what it is. But it got me thinking, some of us have said that very same thing when God's provided for us. When God's provided for us. Now, it wasn't exactly what we had in mind, God. It wasn't exactly what I was expecting and how I thought you were going to take care of this particular need. And we ask, what's this, God? What's this? Some of us have even taken it as far as to say, um, Lord, that's not what I ordered. That's not what, that's not what I ordered. Now, it, it might come like this. It might come like this. You're, you're spending time in prayer and you're asking God for another job, but God gives you more opportunity in the job that you're already in. Or it may be that um, you know, you're asking him for your, your spouse to better understand you, and it just seems like all you're doing is fighting. But see, God is going to give you what you need, not what you want. He gives us what we need. And there's little doubt that this passage that we just talked about from the Old Testament is exactly what the disciples have in mind as Jesus does make this next statement in his prayer when he says, give us our daily bread. Okay, so let's break this apart. Let's break apart this next part of the prayer. So truthfully, in these first three words that we have, give us today, there's actually some, some important truths. There's about three, I think there's three important truths that we can see just in those first three words, okay? So first, by asking God to give us what we need, we're acknowledging that we can't actually do it ourselves. When we go outside of ourselves to ask for, for provision, then we're saying that we can't do it ourselves. Now, there's this really nasty word in our culture that from the time that we are little, we are ingrained with this idea that this is not a word that's supposed to be about you. You don't grow up to be this at all. I mean, we see it in every television show, every movie. Now, if you're, if you're a boomer, right? If you're a boomer, it's pull yourself up by your bootstraps, right? If you're a millennial, it's you do you, all right? But it's this idea of us not being dependent on anyone, but instead us being independent. It is a Western, and I would say American value, for us to be independent. But the problem is, that's exactly the opposite of what Jesus is saying in this prayer. Jesus is essentially telling us that we are dependent. We are dependent. We do need someone else to take care of our needs, someone to provide for us. Okay, so the second truth that we can see in these first three words is that by admitting that we can't take care of our needs, we're actually admitting that God is the one who takes care of our needs. We're saying He is the one who can take care of it. And aren't we glad about that? Think about the Sermon on the Mount. We did that last summer. Pastor Ronald walked us through that. Jesus made it so clear from the Sermon on the Mount how much God cares for us. He says, if the sparrows are taken care of, if they're fed, how much more does the Father love you? If the flowers of the field are clothed in beauty, how much more does the Father love you? All right, so finally we see from these three words that this request should be a prayer on a daily basis. Jesus is teaching us to continually come back to God for what we need that day. Again, 
The same passage from the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus talks about the birds and the flowers, he also says these words. He says, do not worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. In other words, he's saying, don't get so engrossed and so obsessed with something that hasn't even happened. Don't worry about that. Here's my question for you. What are you worrying about? What are you obsessing over right now? What are you afraid that that won't be taken care of in your life? Maybe it's for your spouse. Maybe it's for your family. God's asking you to trust him. Think about this just for a second. From the very beginning, Adam and Eve in the garden, all God ever wanted from humanity was one thing, trust. Trust that he cares. Trust that he's loving. Trust that he's gracious. That's what he wanted, trusting that he's faithful. That's all God ever wanted, for us to trust. So whatever it is that you're trying to do for yourself, whatever it is you're trying to worry about right now, give him today. Give him today, just like he wanted the Israelites in the wilderness to do, to trust him. Okay, so we saw this at the beginning of Jesus' prayer that he appeals to God in the plural. He says, our Father, right? Now, for a Jew, um, this, this is nearly impossible for them to think of it outside of this kind of context. They were such a familial kind of culture. Um, and I, I really believe this. I believe that the scriptures were written in a particular time, in a particular place, so that some of the cultural perspectives that happened at that time could be for us as we are in a different culture in a different time. This is one of those, that these people, family was super important to them. The extended family was very important to them. And so I think that Jesus is saying this because he understands that they're going to they're know exactly what he's talking about when he says, our daily bread. Because see, our prayer life, it shouldn't be concerned just for our needs, like our family's needs, our individual needs, but it should be for others as well. God, take care of my needs, but God, will you take care of others' needs? Will you take care of this person and that person and so-and-so and so-and-so? God, will you provide for them as well? It's our daily bread, not my daily bread. I'm going to share this with you. This is a staggering statistic. It was really kind of sobering for me this week. Did you know that every night, 7.3 million children go to bed hungry? 7.3 million children. That means that they go to bed not having had something to eat and not knowing if tomorrow they're going to have something to eat. That's what it means for them to be hungry. But here's something else you should know. It has nothing to do with a worldwide food shortage. That's not the issue. Most of the time it's because of war that's happening within their own community, war that's happening in their own country, but also this idea of chronic inequality. Now, here's what that means. That means that the richest and wealthiest countries have the most food, and the poor countries have the least food. So we, of course, are in a very wealthy nation, and we have an abundance. We have plenty. Our daily bread. Listen to how one commentator said this on the Lord's Prayer. This prayer is not only a prayer that we may receive our daily bread. It's also a prayer that we may share our daily bread with others. Our daily bread, not mine. 
So interestingly enough, uh, until more recent scholarship, the word in Greek that Matthew uses here for daily had only actually been found in Matthew's gospel. It's the only occurrence that we could find in the Greek of this word daily. Until several years ago, when there was a fragment found uh, in the Middle East that also had the word on it. Can you guess what the fragment was? It was a woman's shopping list. It was a woman's shopping list in which she was writing down the things that she needed for that evening's dinner. She needed to make sure she got this at the market for that particular evening. See, this helps us understand the context of what Jesus is saying right here in the prayer. And it may seem, duh, James, because we say daily, right? But daily means for this present moment. God, help me not to exceed and go beyond what I need for today. Nothing more than today's needs, nothing less than today's needs are the things that I'm praying for today, the things that I'm asking God for today. And Jesus clearly says bread here. Um, and bread is still one of the most basic and fundamental things that can meet hunger. But I kind of want to pose one more idea to you. One more idea that I think this is what Jesus means. I think Jesus, of course, is talking about our physical needs being met. There's no doubt. But I also think there's a spiritual need that we have that Jesus is telling us that we need to pray daily for God to give us this, okay? So turn with me real quickly to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 31, but as you're doing that, I'm going to kind of give you a little summation of what's going on before this, all right? So Jesus is taking his disciples up to Galilee, and he's had to go through Samaria. And as he goes into Samaria, he tells the disciples to go and get some food from a local village while he sits down at a well. And as he sits down at the well, the Samaritan woman that we've read and heard about, she comes out to draw water. Now, this woman is bitter. She's angry at life because of the loose living that she's lived in. She, she can't trust and, and, and just doesn't care really about anyone except for herself. But Jesus begins to dialogue with her. The fact that even Jesus does that showed compassion to this woman. When he dialogues with her, men were not supposed to talk to women, and especially Jewish men to Samaritan women. That wasn't supposed to happen. So when he does this, he's actually giving compassion. And then Jesus does something that he has not done in his public ministry. He shares with her that he is the Messiah. She's the first person to learn the truth that Jesus is the Messiah, the one sent by God. And this drastically changes the woman's life. She runs away, can't... She's excited to tell everyone in the village. And right as she's doing that, as she's running back to tell everyone in the village, the disciples come walking up. And we're going to pick it up in verse 31. It says this, Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Disciples, they're like me. They're super simple, you know. They're like, somebody else give him food? That's what they say, right? Then his disciples look at each other and they say to each other, could someone have brought him food? And Jesus responds, listen to this. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. So Jesus says his food is to do what God has asked him to do. If you think about it, it makes complete sense. Think about Jesus when he's tempted by the tempter. He said, make these stones into bread. 
What does Jesus say? Man doesn't live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So what is Jesus saying? Have you ever recognized in yourself this, this feeling of being unsatisfied? You're still kind of hungry for more, hungry for something else. I mean, you've got a good family, good life, good spouse, good kids, good job, good money, but there's still something missing. You're still you're still hungry. There's still something that you desire. It's not food that you need. It's to listen to the Holy Spirit each day for what God might want to do through you. Have you ever thought about that? What if every day God has something for you to do that he wants for you to do? Pastor Ronald and I were talking about this earlier in the week, and I, I love the way that he said it. He, he said, what if God is calling us to be daily miracle workers? Daily miracle workers. Now, we're not talking about healing somebody of blindness, but what if, what if that day, if you were observant, if you asked the Holy Spirit to lead you, to give you the daily bread of doing what he wants you to do, what if perhaps you paid somebody's rent that wasn't able to, to pay their rent. See, we talked about this last week. This is what it means to bring the kingdom of God. This is what it means to allow heaven to invade earth. But what if that is the daily food that you ask for? Beyond just being able to eat. But God, would you give me today? Would you help me see? Would you open my eyes to what you want for me to do today? I promise you that'll bring a fulfilling that you won't even be again to understand. Okay, one last thought. I know I kind of said that last time, I'm sorry. One last thought. So there's a whole bunch of ideas and commentaries on exactly what this phrase means that we looked at today. There's so many different ideas. Some people say that it goes back to rabbinical practices. Some people say that it's specifically about the manna like we talked about earlier. Yet there's one other idea that really intrigued me, and I want you to hear it. It, it was... It was from Jesus stating something in the Gospel of John. Jesus says in John 6, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. What if, what if this part of Jesus' prayer is actually him desiring for the disciples to ask to be filled with him? What if that's what he's really wanting them to do? Asking to be filled with God for that day. The food that Jesus says you will never be hungry again. Never be hungry again. Maybe you're in this room this morning and you hear me talking and you've never been satisfied. You know that that's you when I say that. You're thinking to yourself how you have, you've tried everything. Romantic relationships, you've tried alcohol, you've tried drugs, you've tried food, you've tried money, but nothing seems to satisfy Nothing. This morning, Pastor Ronald and I, we're going to be here. We'd love to talk to you about the bread of life that will make you never hunger again. Now, others in the room this morning, you, you fall into one of two other camps, okay? Maybe you're the first one. You, you're, you, you, you really aren't trusting to get, for God to meet your needs. You're depending on yourself. You're trying to make everything happen in your own effort. Maybe you even think that God is powerless to do that. Maybe that's where you're at. You're depending on yourself. 
Well, maybe this morning, as we pray here in a minute, you need to repent. Repent of being like the Israelites and not trusting God. Trusting in yourself. Or maybe you're the second one. You do trust God to take care of your needs. You've been doing that for a while now. Maybe your prayer is, God, help me to see the opportunities to love others and to do your will so that I might be satisfied spiritually. Maybe that's you this morning. As I pray, will you go to the Lord with whatever you're in, wherever, whichever one of those you are, will you go to him and ask him to be your daily bread? Let's pray. Father God, this morning we just thank you that you are a God that is trustworthy. You are a God that provides for our needs. Father, we also recognize that our needs aren't just physical. They're not just to have food, bread. It's also to do your will. That that's what's going to satisfy. That's what's going to make us not hunger is by doing what you desire for us. So this morning, whichever one we're at, wherever we are at, Lord, in any of those, would you help us to trust you and would you help us to be obedient? We pray this in Jesus' name. If you have questions about this week's message or would like to start a conversation with someone about what it means to walk with Christ, please email pastor at cfeb.church. You can find earlier episodes of our podcast on our website at cfeb.church, where you can also give online to help support community fellowship in our mission to reflect and share Christ's love. We can also be found on many major distribution platforms like Apple Podcasts, where you can subscribe to stay connected. Thank you again for listening. Now go out and love one another like Jesus did.